Welcome to Martial Mindset, where we delve into some of the leading minds in business, martial arts, and academia to find out what truly makes success in any field of life. We are the fight coaches who will motivate and inspire you to level up your game, no matter how big or scary your goals may be. Look at stuff and they go, wait a minute, you kind of do that. I said, yeah, you just don't see it the way I see it. And then when you pull some of the concepts out and you put it on the mats, they're like, oh, we're going to do hand fighting. Oh, okay. And all the guys that go into comp, they go, go with Sifu. Where's Sifu? Go, go grab Sifu. Yeah, he's a, he's a two-stripe blue, but don't just do that. So, so now they're like, show us how do you do that? How do you do that? So it's kind of cool to see when you get people much more open-minded. Um, and I've seen that too at one of the other clubs I uh, used to teach at with the Jits Club. We had a boxing and Muay Thai group. Yeah. So in the, so in the beginning, when they see things like Wing Chun, they're like, I don't know. Like we have a guy that's uh, a great boxing coach, Raf. I love him. Him and I do some training every once in a while. And it's like, he's looking at this stuff. What's this patty cake crap? And I said to him, I said, Dude, it's a parry. And then after a while, it took about six months. And then he said, hey, Sifu, check this out. He jumps in the ring because he just sits and watches. He goes, check this out. He grabs one of his guys. Next thing you know, what's he doing? He's doing this weird hybrid of a bong sao meets shoulder roll. Like I said, it's the same. I told him, it's the same idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and you see him parrying, and then he's using a high-hand position, and he's just whacking his guys. And so it's so funny. He goes, hey, this has got some value. He says, can you help this guy in the inside fighting? And I said, okay. And so yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I'll I tell what? you what. I mean, that is, you hit the nail on the head with that because there's two things that resonated with me when you were talking. The first thing is about how open-minded uh, – you know, the jiu-jitsu community are, because I often get people, you know, in, in, in the jiu-jitsu community saying to me, yeah, can you show me, oh, you're a Wing Chun guy, can you show me some stuff? I'm like, well, I really want to know what you're going to show me, you know, I'm more interested in how you can teach me to pass the guard or whatever. Yeah, that's but, right. You know, they're much more open to it. And, I, you know, I travel a lot. I remember uh, the nicest bunch of guys I, I, I trained with in jiu-jitsu were in South Korea. I went out to South Korea and I was training some jiu-jitsu out there. And those guys were super cool. They took me out and tried to get me drunk. You know, it was, it was, it was, you know, I thought it was the scene from kickboxing. You know, where they take you to a yeah. place in the middle of nowhere and you think, right, hold on, they're going to get me drunk and see if I can fight. <laughs> it was, and it's, you know, they're pouring this drink down me and they're giving me loads of fried chicken and I'm like, I'm loving life. I was so happy. But yeah. you know, the one thing I came away from it, because they asked me to say a couple of words, and you know, I was really touched by their hospitality. And I said, look, you know, it doesn't matter where I go in the world. And I've trained in a lot of countries, uh, Rio, I've trained in the States extensively, Jiu-Jitsu. You know, mm. all over the world I've trained Jiu-Jitsu. And I, I will say the commonality is the friendliness, you know, the open-mindedness, yeah. the friendliness. And there's that, there's that camaraderie, because I think it's because we work with this idea of tapping each other out all the time and it's quite adversarial i suppose yeah. jiu-jitsu is that uh, you just I, it does bash your ego but you do become much more appreciative of everybody else and also more open-minded so yeah i i love hanging out with the jiu-jitsu guys besides they like surfing as well so i don't yeah. i don't see everybody in wing chun that says to me oh you want to go surfing it's like, yeah yeah no. it's a flip-flops it. and shorts as well I'm, I'm really big into flip-flops and shorts so you know, I know. I'm, I'm always happy when I'm on the mats. It's, it's, it's a different vibe. I know. It's a, it, that's, you know, for me, that's one of the reasons why I'm moving from Canada to Malta. I said, I, I want to get to some shorts and some flip-flops and do things like that. So I was like, I'm sick of snow and everything else. I want to start jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Oh, you want, you want to do jits. It's, uh, yeah, you do. It's you know, it's, 
it, the best way I describe jits to people, especially from the Wing Chun community, I said, guys, here's how it is. It's total body chi sao in a horizontal in a, in a, in a horizontal position. And they're like, what? I said, look, it's all about, they use different language. They say, hey, you need to, you need to have posture, posture, posture. I said, guys, it's, and I teach my guys because they say, hey, Sifu, can you teach us some uh, jits and stuff? And I said, sure. And I talked to my professor. And he goes, yeah, go for it, man. He says, you're a JKD guy. You know your way around stuff. You can teach. I watch you teach. So he goes, so I said, guys, it's not posture, it's structure. Yeah. So you, and it's funny how the more I look at different arts, whether it's Kali, BJJ, uh, even the JKD, um, I'm a use of force instructor. So it's also seeing stuff from there. And it's funny how when you start seeing the commonalities, it's the language that messes everything up. It's the terminology that confuses people. Yeah. And then, and then the funny thing is then you have the idea of those purists that get into that sit there and say, no, like I watched uh, Henry Aikens. I was at a <laughs> seminar with him and he ends up doing a thing to pass the spider guard. And what he did, I laughed so hard in the seminar. And I mentioned it later in one of my posts. I said, I just saw Henry Aikens use Kwan Sao to break somebody's spider guard. And I have a, a friend of mine, a, uh, I guess a Kung Fu little brother who's a purist. And he said, does he do Wing Chun? He goes, no. He said, therefore it's not Kwan Sao. I said, it's emotion. <laughs> and it's like, and, 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 and you know, and it's like, and I'm like, guys, you know, we, we could have called it turkey foo for all we know, right? Or turkey sow, and then that, that's what it is. But, yeah. but you know, no offense to vegans. Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, guys, we're recording already, so I'm enjoying this conversation we're, a lot more than the initial. We've already hit the ground running, haven't we? <laughs> but, you know, you know, I was going to say, adding to that, you know, because uh, I, I actually honestly believe there's more similarities than dissimilarities in martial arts. You know, and I, and I say that with, you know, talking about jiu-jitsu and Wing Chun, the, the concepts are very, very similar. I mean, the concepts in Wing Chun are to protect space. And, and when you're in trouble is to make space. And we use these ideas, what we call lance out, which is barring. In jiu-jitsu, yeah. it's exactly the same. You, you know, you're being pinned down, you're trying to make space and you're cre creating frames. It's the same. It's, it's exactly the same. I mean, yeah. in jiu-jitsu, as you said, we talk about posture, and in which one we talk about structure, but it, it, it's exactly the same concept. And, and yeah. as you yeah. said, yeah. get hung up with the details and, and the concepts are all the same. It's just, I think what differs is really the culture and the perspective that you're looking at it from. And therefore, yeah. you know, what, what, why get so hung up on, well, my art's better than your art or this works <laughs> and that works, you know? Have, what, you, guys what, seen, have you guys seen this uh, Okinawan karate uh, kicking video, like uh, short distance kicks? No, I saw, it I saw it the other day. The they are exactly our Wing Chun kicks. Really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like little stomps to the knee, and you know. Is that Gojuru? Is that Gojuru? I think it was in Okinawan karate. But I'm not sure which style. Yeah. I wouldn't because be they have a, a southern southern. Uh, they have a white crane influence, don't they? In Gojuru? Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, because one of uh, one of the other places that uh, I also teach out of the guy's a seventh Dan Goju guy, oh, so really? it's fun when we, we get to play. It's uh, you know I've been with him for twelve years, so he's upset now that I'm leaving, but my guys are taking over at the clubs. But um, him and I used to spar a lot, and we'd be compare notes, and you know he's like, okay, what's this? What's that? And then in times he would he do these short little kicks, and I go, that's a nice kick, but try this one instead, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I, th I think some of the best part with some of that too is uh, he, the guys were doing a bit of, um, I forget the name of the form, but it was a very short energy type hit. It almost like us going from a, 
almost like trying to do almost a, a three inch punch, if you will, but it was more like with a view or it was a, partially that crane influence. Yeah. And one of his is a black belt form, I guess. And then one of the black is, I can't generate power here. And I was just watching his class and he goes, you can generate power. He goes, I can't generate. He goes, he goes, Sifu, can you come here for a second? He goes, he goes here, hit him. Okay. So I said, you good? Put my finger on his chest. I said, here you go. This is shorter distance. And it's just pop. And he goes, Ooh, how do you generate power like that? And it's like, ancient Chinese secret you guys are doing a Japanese art you don't need to know this so but 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 you're right though Mark I think a lot of a lot of the arts I think we can appreciate the cultural references and we can appreciate the styles within each art but I think as you said and I totally agree with you is that if you look at the commonalities um, you can get a lot more enjoyment that's why sometimes I tell people I said Yes, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a Wing Chun Sifu. Yeah, I'm a two-stripe blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, I've been a, a Sifu in JKD. You know, I do Kali, all these things. I'm, a, I'm not that guy. What I am is a martial movement specialist. Is what mm -hmm. I like to do is look at movement in general and say, where's the efficiency in the movement? Yeah. I, you know, we can sit there and enjoy judo, boxing, any art. You know, I can sit there and watch MMA and enjoy it for its certain elements and then, other elements I can, you know, I can watch fencing, enjoy that. And it's like, oh, well, those are so different. I said, no, it's, mm. there's, there's a more commonality because yeah. than anything else. And I think when we do that, it becomes much more enjoyable, you know? Yeah. And you definitely have more fun than just comparing yourself and comparing your martial arts with, with others and saying, oh, but ours is better. But, and you know, you know that you're lacking in certain aspects, right? You're just not being honest with yourself. Well, yeah. that, that's a weak mindset when you start comparing. I mean, I, I, as I said, the commonalities are important, but also it's all about biomechanics as well. I mean, you, you know when people move well, and it really doesn't matter what martial art they do. You can essentially see the biomechanics behind it. And as you said, you, know, you mentioned fencing earlier. You can see that when you just watch sports in general, people have good mechanical coordination. I mean, I've got this phrase. I use it a lot when I'm teaching physical intelligence and you probably hear me say it again and again and again people have physical intelligence and some people lack it and that comes down to basic coordination so yes. uh yeah i mean i'm i'm big on those similarities and i think if you start to embrace if you take a higher order perspective when you look at a martial art and you look at it top down you'll see at all the top levels there's more similarities in the way that people move their mechanics their timing Everything along the but I mean I remember that in jiu-jitsu when I first started I was training with uh, senior grades and they were passing my guard and the one thing I noticed was that they were moving so slowly when they were doing it <laughs> yeah. and I was watching them step around my leg past my guard and you know pin me in and submit me or whatever and, and the point is when I was boxing I, I, I experienced that I had people throwing punches at me and they were doing it really slowly and yet there was punching catching me in the face. It was the same in Wing Chun. It's been the same in everything that I've done. And it's timing, and it's never been sort of a rush to it. And, you know, people confuse timing with speed, but that's what yes. I mean when there's more similarities than dissimilarities. Yeah. Right, uh, exactly. And, that, and I think you're so right. And that's why one of the, uh, I think years ago, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I started looking at a lot of the arts, and I was looking at it both at a high level, but I was also looking at it from an age level. So not the guys that are running 22 with that natural athletic ability, but I was also saying, okay, what about the guys that are 50, 60, 70 and still doing their art? 
Mm. Now, you know, they're not running around like a 20 year old, like, you know, I'm 46 now, so I'm not running around like I was when I was 20. But the thing I did is I started to come up with this, uh, an acronym called STAB. And because I saw these commonalities, I said, these are the elements you need to refine, which was like structure, your timing, yeah. recognize the angles, recognize your balance, recognize your base and recognize your distance. I said, once you have that stab structure, I said, I can break three of those on my opponent and he becomes more and more ineffective. But when I do it, I have to make sure I keep mine so I don't become less effective. So speed and power are byproducts of better timing and better angles and better positions, you know, and power is the same way, but it's, and it becomes that thing where sometimes people think, well, I need to be faster. You know, I said, no, speed's nice, but your timing is what's more important. You know, because like you said, I've done it uh, in boxing, in Kali, in, in Wing Chun, in, in BJJ. Um, one of the, my professors in BJJ, Dave, he said, all the difference is, he says, and you know this, is I'm able to do this because I've managed to sharpen my timing better than you because you don't have all the pieces in place yet. So you're like kind of jumping from block to block instead of a nice, smooth road. And, um, and, and it's so true. I think as we get better at things, we see that, that it's that timing issue that we have to work on. And like you said, I like that idea of that, that body intelligence type of idea. It's, uh, it's good. I love that. And I hope that people listening are actually taking notes because I love that acronym. Yeah, that actually is, that's a good way of thinking about it. Actually, it's spot on yeah, the acronym. I hope they have yeah. written that down. <laughs> You're going to see YouTube videos saying, oh, I invented this new system. It's called STAB. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, so if people do... listening. That's right. That belongs to me. No, but... Yeah. And that's one of those things where, you know, as I've used that for years to help people cheat um, in saying, okay, whether you're having a problem with a technique and you're saying, okay, my instructor showed me this, what is losing? I said, okay, first thing you do is pull timing out of the equation and work through the rest of it. And then you can diagnose what you're doing wrong, which it, it's great because timing, and we all know this, timing is the hardest thing to develop because it's, it's, it can be done. But in the beginning, when someone's learning a new technique and doesn't have the timing for the action, they use speed as a compensator. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you use speed as a compensator, usually if your structures aren't right, those get more messed up. You know, the angles or the position you should be at in relation to the other opponent gets messed up. When you look at, you know, all your distance, everything starts just to fall apart at that point. Mm -hmm. But if you tend to say, why am I choked up? Well, check your distance. Oh, maybe my angles are wrong. Maybe the structure I've developed or the structure I'm using is wrong, right? Because, um, you know, and it, it's, it's been very helpful, you know, just going through that and trying to distill it down away from the style of an art and down to, well, you know, uh, you know, as an, yes. and, you know, I've been natural mechanics and, you know, coming as a former mechanical engineer and, you know, a physics lover, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where I said, I got to go back to core ideas and say, what, what's the core principles behind this and not, you know, mm -hmm. just do, you know, more cheat, you know, <laughs> I, I think you start to do that as you not only get older, but when you get more experience, I think, you know, the byproducts of what you're, you're doing is, is, is from experience. And obviously yeah. you're getting older. I mean, I essentially teach exactly the same. I tend to teach much more conceptually, much more based on these concepts of timing, as we were saying, structure, stability, position, angle, 
yeah. and and those are the sort of holistic. I just don't have an acronym which I'm now going to take. You know what? Honestly, Mark, if you want to use it, use it. Just give me credit for it. Oh, um, yes, I'm, I'm not like that way. I'm not that way. I know you're. No, not. My book I know comes you're out. Not. My book comes out tomorrow. By the way, everybody, buy it. <laughs> it's called Stabbed. It's called yeah. Stabbed. Nice. No. But on a serious note, uh, timing, timing, I and mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Sometimes people mistake timing for speed. How would you, I mean, I know how I, I was going to say, how would you teach timing? But I was actually going to contradict myself and say, actually, it's very difficult to teach people timing. Because when you've got new guys coming into the academy and they're training and you say, okay, right, we're just going to do some sparring, we do some live boxing or what have you, put some gloves on hit each other they mistake the speed for timing. So yeah. this is why, you know, I always advocate slow sparring because it develops exactly. a sense of timing. If I, can, uh, if I can touch you and move really slowly and I can just put my hand out and go boom and just catch you at that sort of speed, then I'm developing a sense of timing over movement. And that's the yes. two sort of factors, isn't it? Timing and movement. Well, that's exactly it. Well, no, you're right. How important do you guys feel it is to let go when uh, when you're using timing? You know that you probably you you know that feeling when you just you don't have a plan but you're just going with it and just clicks like everything just clicks together. How do you develop that? Like, oh. This idea of letting go. Um, I think for me, anyways, the way that works is I think one of that comes through is repetition. Um, and just learning to relax. I think it's so funny. We always talk about relax. My sister used to talk about relax. You know, you always hear some of the high level guys talk, relax, relax, relax. And I think as, as you get better in your, mo your movement and your timing, right? That's the thing is that self-awareness that has to happen. Mm -hmm. You start to recognize, okay, this is the stride of my step. This is, this, this is the timing of my body. You recognize that timing between people and where you, how you develop that is, exactly i think the way mark put it and i love getting my guys to do the same thing is guess what go slow so if everybody's moving you know at 30 beats per minute their motion nobody should be moving faster than that and over time you start to feel the timing of your opponent sometimes i like to say you know when we whether we chisa whether you're sparring whether you know whether you're doing anything as the physical arts i said it's just a dance and you know but it's a dance of death so yeah. What? I, so you know, yeah, punch in the face while you're dancing. <laughs> exactly. 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 We got a new. We got a new sport. You know, punching with the stars or something. But <laughs> now we need to copyright that one because that one's there. We go. Punching the there stars. There we go. Punching with the stars, right? For those that couldn't make it with Dancing with the Stars, we do Punching with the Stars. We actually had a show like that in Romania. <laughs> they, they, really? They canceled. Yeah, you know they they had like stars uh, beat each other up in uh, boxing matches, and the first ones were like light sparring, but two guys got too serious about it, and they actually, uh, you know, they got really bruised. <laughs> Stop doing it. But, but, you know, actually, getting, but just want to get back to the point on the timing. You know, one of the things that I try to encourage my guys to do when they're sparring. Uh, and I wanted to mention something about relaxation as well, but the sparring, first of all, is that if, for example, we're doing uh, a drill, I always try to get the guys to respond at the same speed, which is what you were actually saying, Chuck, yes. exactly the same thing. So if yeah. someone punches 
fast at, I don't know, on a scale of one to 10, they're punching on a speed of four, then the other person should be responding on a speed of four. And that's how you yes. start to develop the sense of timing in the movement because both operators are moving at the same speed and they can adjust them. And you get a sense for that. And that's exactly what you were saying. You do yes. sense of the movement and the timing because you're constantly adjusting it. But you miss the timing. If the guy throws a punch at mark nine on a scale of 10 and then yeah. you, know, you respond at four, you miss that time. It, it just doesn't work. So you know, you're spot on with that. It's really interesting yeah. that you, you guys do that. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? And I find that it's, it's sometimes one of the cheats I use. Actually, I use a metronome, and I put yes. it on, and I and I use I get the guys to work within the timing of a metronome, whether it's rolling, sparring, doesn't matter. I said, guys, there's your timing, and I said, that was that that was one of those things where even when you're alone, I said, guys, I used to do this all the time. I either take a piece of music, and I said that piece of music is now my partner, or I use a metronome. Whether I'm doing bag work, footwork, or anything, that's where that mm -hmm. happens. But it's interesting to watch how people in the beginning want to fight against that timing. You know, like you said, yeah. you said, hey, everybody's working at four. That guy really wants to beat that guy. I guess it's not about beating anybody. It's about that's mastering timing. Yeah, because, yeah, and that's it. Because part of that challenge is this. And the more I do it, the more I see it. When I know your timing, I can now move in between the beats of your timing, which makes, it make, makes me look more magical. But I'm not magical. It's just... I've picked your timing up, but people say, I don't want to be in his timing. I said, no, you have to learn his timing so that you can move to break it. But it's people think yeah. to break it. And that's the intelligent way of doing something. It's like, what's the problem? And then now how do you move outside that problem? Yeah. You know, you know and it's, sorry, I was going to say the irony is how uncanny that is. My, my Sifu used to do exactly the same thing. He used to have a metronome. Yeah. And, and uh, he used to do punches to the metronome. And I remember when I used to go to his, to his house to train, and uh you know he would talk about it and then he also used music as well and he was big on using those beats to set the timing the rhythm and he's, he's you know he's so good at it that uh you know we used to adopt the same sort of thing and i adopted because obviously i trained he's my mentor i just spent a lot of time with him and, and yeah. uh, adopt the same concept use music but it wasn't a case of listening to the music it was listening to the bass and listening to the rhythm of the bass and then trying to punch the bag at the same rhythm of the bass yeah. uh, or moving my footwork, trying to get my steps to time with the bass movement, or if it was, you know, like you said, the metronome. But funny enough, uh, Daniel Santo does that, doesn't he? He's big yeah. on bongos and getting guys to hit the pads to the rhythm of it. Is, is exactly. Relates to the timing again? Yes, that's, it's all related to timing again, right? Because it's sometimes it's funny when you, unless, and if, and you've seen it, uh, where we've had people do, say, uh, shadow boxing. But if they have they have some basic mechanics, but when you first watch it, they they just they're like jab, cross, hook. They're very mechanical. Yeah, yeah very. But but it's almost like they can't feel the rhythm of the fight, and so where music sometimes that helps a lot. Where it's like, guys, that's your opponent, and so when the when the tempo picks up, that the fights the fight the fight is temp picking up. When it starts to slow down, that's where that breather's coming in. That's where that, you know, that's when you find your breath. That's when you yeah. find your motion. That's. And you start to see it as guys get it. And I found music really helps with that. And, and sometimes the, and because if you find a good piece of music, um, especially when you start with something with a four, four time that helps everybody kind of naturally pick up, then you can start playing things. Like I've played music that were, was um, uh, heavy drums, whether African or Arabian drum type music. And, and it was fun to watch because all of a sudden when guys start to pick up the pace and they start to recognize yeah. They move faster and they, and they actually start to move more and more in time. And 
Yeah. And it's great because then they start recognizing, oh, my feet, my hands and my feet are out of timing now. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. Now you're not generating as much power because you've disrupted the kinetic chain. Yeah. So, you know, and that's the thing where you, you can see that, right? And you go, it's that movement, that idea. But yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, how uncanny. I mean, we're worlds apart, but yet we've got similar sort of training methods. That's, that's, that's so it. cool. That's it. I got to come over and train with you now. It's yeah, I'm going to come over and train with you. I think you go, I'm going to learn more. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, but the other thing I wanted to add about the relaxation, because funny enough, I, I was having a, I was doing a private lesson yesterday and uh, I, we were doing, it was a jujitsu private lesson with one of my, one of my students. And uh, he, I, I said to him, look, you need to relax. But sometimes when you say to people, there's this mantra in jiu-jitsu, relax, relax, relax. And I tried to explain to him, and there's two benefits to relaxing. The first one's obviously the physical benefit, because as you alluded to earlier, jiu-jitsu is very much like doing chi style with the body, right? You can feel yeah. more. So the more relaxed you are, the more you can feel whether the person's moving, whether they're pulling and pushing and moving and so on and turning. But here's the other aspect that you know I was trying to allude to him. When I relax, it also relaxes my mind. So I'm more open to the possibility. So when I'm passing the guard, if the guy's posting his arms and stopping me from moving a certain way, because I'm more relaxed, I'm more open to, well, what is stopping me, preventing me from moving forward at this point in time? And when I can do that, I can then advance you know, my position, I can change my strategies. And it's the same in striking. It's the same it's in Wing Chun. It's, it's, it's exactly the same. I'm relaxed, I'm open. But so the relaxation has physical benefits, but it more, most importantly, it has mental benefits because you also operate a high level of stress as well because you're yes. stressed. Your stress levels come down because obviously your, uh, if you like, your benchmark, your pinnacle of where you can be pushed is further. So relaxation is key. I, I, I'm always on that. Breathe, relax, breathe, relax, breathe, relax. Exactly. No, I think you're, I think you're right. And that's the big thing. Like you, 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 when you relax, you're right. You, you get a a, a 10,000 foot view of the overall problem and you have a different attitude towards the problem where you see guys that what they don't relax, they run into something, whether it's somebody's hands or whether it's in jujitsu and their framing or sticks or whatever. And they start getting frustrated and all they do is either keep trying the same, same solution over again. But when you relax, you kind of go with that. Yeah. So, oh, so you're doing that. Okay. It's you know, it's like yeah. you know, it's like driving. Somebody moves into your like, oh, okay. Yeah. He tried to cut me off. Whatever. I'll, I'll work around it. But, and that's that funny thing when you get that idea and that that sense of relaxation. You are open to, as you said, you're open to possibilities. You know, yeah. it's and you start to you start to you actually start to play. That's the funny thing. You start yeah. what I call you start to play, which means is like. Yeah. And you almost become, you know, like I encourage my guys to relax. Said, cerebral. When you, yeah. You much yeah. more cerebral about it. That's what happens. That's, really. yeah. That's how it develops through relaxation. Well, exactly. I, I was going to add, actually, I, I had a, a great analogy. I was teaching my class the other day and I was, I was trying to say it was my beginner's class. And I was going back to this idea of emotion, uh, sorry, physical intelligence. That's another topic for another day, guys. Emotional intelligence. Anyway, we're sort of talking about the empathy of punching people in the face. Do you feel empathy for them when you punch them in the face? That's my emotional intelligence. <laughs> now, we'll go back to the physical intelligence discussion. That uh, coordination. Some people come into the gym and they've got a natural sense of coordination. That's what I'd say. They're high in physical intelligence. Yeah. And uh, I try to explain to them the difference between learning to dance driving a car and learning a martial art. And I said, learning to dance could be a choreographed set of movements between hands and legs, very similar to martial arts, right? Right, yes. But the difference is someone's not punching you in the face. 
So then I said, so then I said to them, look, picture this, you're trying to learn to drive. Now, I don't know everywhere around the world, but in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same in Romania, that we drive uh, in the States, in, in North America, you guys call them stick shifts. We call them manual cars, basically. So I used to have a friend and he used to drive his cars. Yeah, you just call them cars. Yeah, most of them <laughs> have like manual shifts. All <laughs> uh, right, well, here's the story. I used to have a friend and, and he was learning to drive. I don't think it'll remind, uh, well, uh, it, uh, it doesn't really matter. But the point is when he used to change gear, he used to pull down on the steering wheel. So the car would <laughs> And it took him about five times to pass his driving test because every time he would drop down a gear, the car would veer off the road. Now this was because he couldn't multitask between changing gear, turning the steering wheel. And if you think about driving as a complex activity, you're changing gear, steering, you're actually having to look and pay attention to what's happening around you. And a lot of these things we do subconsciously. And I was trying to explain to my students that when you're learning a martial art, you're essentially doing the same thing. But now let's put this into context. Imagine doing that and someone's punching you in the face. You know, you're driving your car and you're trying to pay attention to what's in the road so you don't run anybody over. And you've got your passenger punching you in the face at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's a crazy idea. But what you're trying to do is a multitude of different modes of activity. You're trying to switch off and focus on the task at hand. For everybody who's listening, this is not an encouragement. <laughs> Get your mate to London, punch you in the right? face. <laughs> this is London. <laughs> I'm in the green. This says it all. <laughs> you get into the cab and the guy starts punching you. <laughs> the tip is you've got an elbow in back. Bang. <laughs> it's crazy out here. We actually have an advantage, right? Because we're on the left side, we can use if you're right-handed, you're lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, well, we had to be different in Europe and drive on the right, didn't we? Oh, <laughs> but, but, oh, yeah, you had to do that. I have got to get my, speaking of which, I got to now have to drive on the left when I go to Malta. So I'll be with you and uh, it's yeah. good. I'm left-handed, so it's good. So I can punch people with my strong side. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation is getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> This is it. We got people punching each other in the road as part of their training, but, but, but focus, focus. But I think, but I think you're right though. And I think that's the funny thing when you get back to that analogy, it's, it's so important to see. And that's part of the reason why sometimes as part of um, when I teach the guys, it's funny to watch whether I use chi or sparring, regardless of the style of sparring. It's funny how it first starts off as I want to punch you, but I don't want to get punched. It's, that's where that starts. But I say, guys, that's basic. I said, you know, when I look at it, and if I use, I usually use Chi Sao as my reference for my guys, because a lot of them do the Wing Chun. I said, guys, for me, I said, this is now what I call a higher level, level of thinking. When I look at Chi Sao, I said, Chi Sao for me is a truth machine. It's not just a laboratory, it's a truth machine in that it tells me whether I'm controlling four different centers. Um, I said, my psychological center, my emotional center, my physical center, and then my belief in my spiritual center. And, they, and some of my guys are going, okay, Sifu, whoa, 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 what are, you, what are you talking here? I said, the physical one's obvious. I don't want you hitting my center. I want to hit your center. I want to control your body, manipulate your body. The psychological center, I said, guys, that's that one where, you know, like Mark, say you and I are chisawing, and for some reason, you're in my head. I said, I've already lost that center. It doesn't matter if I do everything right. I've already started to lose. And we know this from even competition, like high-level athlete competition. There's a psychological event that has to happen. I said, the emotional one is if I'm getting ramped up, if I'm getting angry, if I'm getting frustrated, 
because of something you're doing. I said, I'm losing that center, which means you're taking it. From, I'm giving it to you. I'm not even ta taking it from me. You're just, I'm giving it to you. And I said, and then there's that belief center is when you start to doubt all your abilities, your, what you think you know and who you think you are. And I said, and when that happens, even in a practical you know, defense mechanism, when I've talked to special constables and stuff about it, I said, guys, you've got to make sure you, you know what you're doing. You've got to know that inside out, whether, you know, from a legislative perspective, you're going in and you're taking a guy and you know you have the legal right to do that, you know, and it's, it's amazing to watch that, that when people just get to that physical one, you start playing at a higher level and we've seen it in jujitsu and you'd see it in a lot of things where mentally that person starts to break down psychologically, they get intimidated because, oh, that's, oh, I'm, I'm with, you know. Sifu so-and-so or grandmaster, what's his name? And, you know, we're going to, he's going to light me up. I said there, and then all of a sudden you get hit and you start getting anxious about it or you get frustrated. I said, guys, you want to get better. You have to control those four. Don't let them take it. And then once you, once you have that, guess what? Everything else you can work on your relaxation, all those other things happen because you're not worried about people taking those things. And, and that's a great analogy for conversations as well. Guys, if, um, if you know you find yourself losing losing your temper at um, your work, this is a great point what Sifu Chuck just uh, shared. Like if if you lose control, you start getting emotional. You just like you're lost, right? I don't remember exactly the same points. I have to listen to this uh, one more time because it was super interesting. But I I feel it's a great great analogy to communication and conversation. Just trying to build a bridge between people. Right? Yes. No, and you're right, because I've, I've used those and um, because, as I said, I used to be a project manager for engineers, so I used to have to negotiate, you know, like multi-million dollar contracts as well and, um, and do those type of things. You That's why you get to go to Malta. <laughs> I guess I'm joking. I, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I don't get the money from the company. <laughs> oh, <Right>. why not? <laughs> and that's why I do. That's why I do martial arts now. Um, but but that's the thing though. Like whether I go back to that stab rule um, and I use those four centers, I said for me those were big elements for dealing with life and dealing with negotiations and, and conflict. You know, like if you sit there and you go back to that stab rule. I say, okay, guess what? You want to have a, want to go out for a late night at the pub. Okay. And you got to negotiate with that with your significant other because it's also your anniversary or something. So you got to really negotiate that carefully. So you got to, <laughs> you know, you got to, we already know, don't negotiate it. You just want to say no. You're not going to win that one. That's right. No. Okay, if you so want to get like, punched in the face while driving, then that's that's it. That, that's like perfectly what happened. Baby, you know great. what? I'm gonna go with the boys tonight. I know it's our but oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Because that's the thing when you start recognizing all those things. Maybe that wasn't the best example. Let's say oh, it was okay. A good example. It was a good example. <laughs> but I think the thing is. <laughs> It's the thing. It's like whether you use that structure, timing, angle, balance, distance as an element, you sit there and say, I need to structure this deal the right way or else it's not going to flow. I need to get the right timing. So, or it's even better. Let's say you're trying to 
you want to buy a, another wooden dummy for your house, okay? And you've already got three. Or, ah, better yet, for jujitsu people, I'm up to gi 17, and I need another one, okay? So, 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 so how do we do this? How do we get there? And by the way, the gi you want is like, you know, it's like, it's a 200, it's a 200 year old gi, right? So, so, here's, so, so you, have to you have to structure this deal in such a way that the other person doesn't see it as a, such a bad idea. You have to get the right timing, which means you don't go talk to your significant other during bill, bill payment time. You don't talk to them. <laughs> you don't talk to them about the gi when they're thinking about vacation, right? <laughs> you don't I, talk I'm to them sure when they're that everybody's taking notes now. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. There you go. The rest right? of the so, stuff was good, but this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is gold, right? So that's it. So you sit there. So you got your structure, your timing, your angle. Now you have to figure out how to approach this problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> You got to have enough. You have to have enough balance in the deal because if you don't have the right amount of balance, which you know you got to have a give and take in that, you're going to lose this deal, right? You have to be. You have to be based or grounded enough to know that you're not asking for something so stupid that you're not going to get it anyways. And you have to have enough distance to be able to say, okay, if I lose this deal, it's not the end of the world, and, and I can go away. back and start. I'm going to start again, right? This and is it's brilliant. <laughs> and believe it or not, and I use that in negotiating a lot. And it's, and you know, it's so funny along with those four centers. And I was like watching guys doing deals and I'm like, Oh, he's upset. Okay. I've got him there. Okay. I know what he wants. I'm going to change the timing on this thing. Okay. And then you watch them get all flustered. And so I was like, Oh, life goals. There you go. You want to, you want to have fun with it and try to get more of what you want out of life. Use the stab rule in the four centers. <laughs> You know what, guys, if you want to be a millionaire, follow that advice, because that's spot on. That is yeah. really good. <laughs> I stabbed my way out of this negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I stabbed myself into a new gi. That's the... <laughs> I'm not kidding. The amount of gis that, you, that I have, you start getting this gi fetish, don't you? You start buying more and more and more. It's just crazy. <laughs> I know I'm up to like seven or eight now and I think it's a problem and it's like and it's like you see it I go in because I have to get supplies at the motion the martial arts club every once in a while the, the store up there and they've got these new geese and they go hey Chuck we got some new geese and I'm like I'm like I said hey 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 I'm only here only here for a pair of focus pads <laughs> and a groin cup for one of the guys not a gi and then they said but take a look at this gi and then you're like Ooh, you know it's oh trickle pearl weave whatever <laughs> next thing, oh and but then you go hey look at the look at the stitching on that and next thing, you know it's so bad it's like next thing you know you're walking out with another gi and you're like what did happen here <laughs> I am the world's worst. I've got about six on rotation, and I keep every time a new a new one comes out. And this is rotation for guys watching. It's a rotation is where you wear one yeah. gear, you wear it and you rotate it over the over the week. Yeah. And every time a new one comes out, I'm thinking, hmm, I really need a new key. But then I'm opening my wardrobe and I can't stuff anything more in there. And I've got another two waiting in the bag for me to open. That's how crazy it is. Guys, for everybody listening, and here's another relationship tip. Start studying jujitsu and you will absolutely understand your wife's need for new shoes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. You don't argue. You don't argue at that point. It's just like you you said you said, I get it. Go ahead and you go ahead, get your shoes, get your purse. I'll be back. I'm getting a gi. You know, it's yeah. that. a good negotiation factor, actually, especially when gi starts sort of stacking up. But that's uh, right. Oh, dear. That is a good lesson for life, though, in the meantime. I've sort of lost the plot now. 
but but I, that's the, I think that's the thing, right? I think you're right. I think it's it's funny to see how, you know, whether it's you know anything in life that we have, it's like when you can distill it down to some principles, it's actually becomes a lot more functional, so we can get more D's. And um, you know, but I think too, it's um, again, when for me, anyways, that's where. Um, things like whether it's if we hop into martial arts right now and we say, okay, that's where Wing Chun makes some of the biggest difference for people uh, versus just a simple, say, just going, I don't want to call other arts simple, but when you don't have an art that has a lot of a philosophical or an intellectual base to it, yeah. um, and it's more about building out the reps, you know, and it's just, it's just build the reps and it'll get better, where, you know, even like with Wing Chun, I tell people, I said, you know, one thing I love about Wing Chun is the goal is to update your mental software so that you can get the physical body wear to start to do what you want to do. But I said the dangerous, the dangerous part with Wing Chun, especially with Wing Chun, I find, is you can get a massive upgrade into your intellectual software in such a short period of time. And now you think you know Wing Chun, but you don't because it hasn't translated out to the hands yet into the body. Right. He says, well, I know, you know, I know. I says, you know, be like, Sifu Phillips, uh, when can I, when can I grade to the next level? I said, well, I've only been here for three weeks, but I got the knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the biggest thing I get, sorry, just to interrupt, but the yeah. biggest thing I get is someone will phone me up and they'll say to me, I want to, I want to go straight to advanced class. Just to give you an idea, right? I've got guys in my advanced class have been with me for over 20 years. So yeah. it's been like a long, long time. So someone phones me up and they say, I want to go to your advanced class. I say, okay, why is that? Well, I know this form, I know that form, I know this form, I know that form. How long have you been training? Oh, only a year. But I know all the forms. Okay. okay. Great. Yeah, you know a sequence of dancing. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, you know a choreographed set of movements. But is it in your bone structure? Do you move a certain way? Can you, you know, can it? Can you express it? So, uh, yeah, there is a there is that issue, and that there, there is that uh, continual. There was problem. a there was a Wing Chun competition organized um, over here in Romania. I think it was two years ago, and it got me so so fired up. I said, "Wow, people are actually uh, going out there and they're testing their skills." And then when I uh, accessed the Facebook page, the competition was on form. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no really no who's got the nicest tons out oh this is getting worse oh don't tell me it was a whole day event as well just that surely no. I, it, like it lost me uh, did i have tea as well and like yeah trumpets to go with it because <laughs> i mean there is a dumbing down of the style there's a definite moving away from the practicality of look, let's just get into it and train i mean we've spoken yeah. before and i think it's doing doing us a disservice because Wing Chun definitely has an intellectual side no doubts about it but then as you alluded to chuck you've still got to do the reps and you've still got to get in there and you've still got to hit bags and hit people and you know yeah. you've still got to do all those things to, to make it valid. Do you guys well, get, sorry, Chuck. Go, go, go ahead. Um, do you guys get people coming in and uh, having this fear? Like, personally, I had a really rough time learning how to hit or being okay with hitting other people. I would, it, it was rather, I could get a punch, like get hit. I didn't mind getting hit, but I just mm, felt very difficult to, to uh, hit somebody in the face. And I get people like that, maybe because I'm attracting this kind of people. Do you guys get like <laughs> yeah. people who are like reluctant to hit other people? 
Well, yeah, I've gotten it before. Um, and, and I still see it every once in a while. And that's why usually um, understanding how people learn and the psychology of people is very important for, for a coach. Um, you know, it's not normal in our society to hit people. At least it shouldn't be, right? Um, but the thing is usually, how do I get around that? Is I say, no, 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 don't hit, touch. So you start off with a soft hand touch to the top of the chest as an example. I don't even let them, you know, start touching heads, things like that, because that's also a very intimate part of the body. And for some people that becomes very traumatic. I don't want to touch somebody's face. You know, it's like some people sit there and go, oh, I don't want to touch somebody's eye, you know, or whatever. So I say, no, just start by touching. Just start by touching, touch, touch. All you're doing is touching. And then later on you put context in it. I said, sometimes you have to put that psychological context. Um, years ago when I was in a bodyguarding course, uh, we had a gentleman there. Um, he wouldn't do this high-level force option, and I had to give him such a such a a, dis, uh, a disgusting um, scenario for him to understand that context. And once he did that, he switched right over. He totally switched over. It's like you know, I said, I said, do you have a wife? Do you have a kids? He says, yeah. Okay, so you're here right now. I said, somebody's upstairs, and and please, everybody listening, please forgive me for this. I said, somebody's upstairs and they're going to rape your wife and children. Two of his buddies were up there. What are you going to do? I said, and I was the guy and I, it was in the scenario where you're, you're actually, uh, there's a firearm involved. He did the scenario sequence. He got so ramped up. I said, I need you to paint that picture in your head. I regretted painting that picture in his head because he went from zero to 1000 on me. Right. And literally dumped me. If it wasn't for that little bit of restraint had left. He said, because through the whole week, he was just like, I can't do this. You know, I want to do this, but this feels wrong. You know, I like you. I said, no, take me out of that context. Because, you know, most times when we're training, you know, everybody wants to be friends and everybody wants to get along. But I find with that part of this, hey, just touch. And then sometimes build a scenario in and say, understand your context. You're not just punching somebody in the face for something to do. There's a context. And eventually that breaks, right? And it's that barrier. You know, some people just have an aversion too. I don't know, Mark, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think you and I talk from the, we're like brothers from, a, from the, you know, we really are. I think we've had the same sort of experiences. It's the shaped head. Yeah, I think so. It must be that. Because <laughs> you say exactly the things that I've experienced and thought as well. I mean, first of all, I think there is a societal uh, issue. Morally, we are brought up uh, and educated and socialized not to actually, unless you actually are in, I don't know, a really bad area where it's the norm to, just randomly punch people in the street. Most people aren't socialized to do that. And I do have that uh, experience when people come to the academy, if I say punch a person, they generally don't want to do it. They, they, they struggle to do that. Uh, so I, I have to sort of desensitize them to doing that. And there's, a, there's two ways to do it, which one is what you said. And I think Wing Chun as a martial arts ideal for that because we have so many tactile drills that you don't actually have to go full force. Uh, and hit the person. Yeah. Uh, so the one hand, physically, how I do it is exactly the same. I get them to touch, and and the face is a very sensitive area psychologically because nobody likes to be slapped in the face. I mean, the first part is that you use open hands. So yes. like you said, you start with the chest, and then you build up to the face. And generally, people, especially men, don't like being slapped in the face. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can understand it. But, yeah, you'd rather get punched in the face than get Yes, slapped. that's very true. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Yes. They would rather be punched in the face than slapped in the face. And that, I've noticed that with men. So I sort of start with that and then build it up to, to you know, obviously to strikes. Uh, but 
funny enough, do exactly the same thing. Try to put people, because I was involved in security as well, trained in uh, yeah. close protection. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, firearms training as well. Oh, Not extensively, but I've done a little bit, basically small arms mostly. Uh, mm -hmm. But one of the other things, I was also a police training instructor as well. I worked with, with police, I, I consulted with, with that. That was, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've done a lot of force and force and obviously worked in law enforcement and close protection. So therefore, I have a good idea of, you know, the real life scenarios that yeah. you actually have to deal with when you're dealing with uh, motivating people, especially in a training scenario. And you're absolutely right. If you say to someone, look, you know, you have to protect your life or you have to protect the person you love's life, they will always automatically, you know, aggress and go to, you know, level 10, immediately yes. bang. But if you're discussing, you know, yourself, people generally don't, they, they don't have that switch for themselves. Uh, yeah. So I spend a little bit of time, and I, I learned this from, from uh, basically the security and military guys I used to work with, basically, about switches. Where yeah. you learn to condition for a switch and that switch is where you switch on basically yeah. and it's very hard to teach civilians that because they don't have that sort of ability to uh to just suddenly switch into action yeah and it's quite a powerful tool so what i tend to do is similar sort of thing you give guys scenarios uh you say look you know think about the loved one that you're you're trying to protect therefore you know engage that feeling and then try to put that into what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, for example, you want them to hit a pad, for example. You'd be really surprised if you've got an individual that doesn't want to hit a pad. They're quite uh, soft with that, in other words. You know, they're, they're quite half-hearted. But then, like you yeah. said, if you say, you know, think someone's taking your child, you know, say that to yeah. a woman. Because, unfortunately, ladies fall to that stereotype. It's a society, it's the way they've been socialized. You know, yes. our, our ladies in our societies are our mothers and our our wives and our girlfriends and uh, you know, there are caregivers and, and they're socialized to be that way. So therefore, yes. uh, when you put them in an environment where they have to fight, they naturally sometimes fall back on their socialized versions of themselves. So when you say, I want you to fight and defend, uh, you know, hit the pads, they're quite half-hearted about it. And then, sorry, sorry about that guys, I've got my, uh, cleaner in and he's sort of going around turning everything on so you it's, might see him popping in it's a disco <laughs> yeah, it feels like it now <laughs> and he's just sort of waving at me smiling but getting back to the point, my point, my point was that if you say to a woman you know this person's going to take your child you'll completely see a, 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 a complete opposite in uh, how they fight and that's where you try to get the switch in training but yeah. a lot of martial arts schools don't do that, you know. No. It's only reality-based people that really No, exactly. And I think that's the thing. Like, it's funny. I, honestly, I think you and I are from the same kind of cloth, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yes, the training, you know, did. I've been doing stuff with uh, use of force for the last five years uh, with special constables and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a lot of fun with that. But I think, too, it's that switch, you know. Or sometimes I tell the guys it's a go code. And actually a good example of that go code going off on me, I was on a flight with my wife and we were going from Las Vegas and we had, we're coming back to Toronto. So we were at the back, I think it was a, an Airbus 320 or something. So we're near the back of the bus and we're waiting there and we're waiting and you know, this is okay. They start to close the door. We're still in the, we're still out on the tarmac by the gate. 
They close the door. Oh, three quarters of the way up, this woman gets up, starts screaming. By the time she starts screaming, I'm already out of my belt, off my seat, and halfway down the halfway down the plane. Then I figured out what it was. It was a medical emergency. And then I said, okay, no, the attendants are coming in. You know what? I'm going to step back. They don't need me for that. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny on the way back, as I'm coming here, here's all I heard. What's going, honestly, it felt like they were that slopes. Is something happening? Is what's going on? And it's funny because when you know that switch, and I try to teach my guys that, just like I, you know, you, I try to teach them to look at their, their response to violence in relation to a use of force paradigm. So, you know, is it passive, active, all these other things. But it's funny when you have that go code switch and you've been trained it and you know it, right? It's that funny thing where the body just goes, you know, it's just, and it just wants to go. And it's, and it's sometimes for, as you said again, on a civilian level, right? Unless somebody's grown up in a situation where physical violence is intimate a lot, you know, whether it's that type of community, guess what? Most people don't have that switch. And what happens, happens too is, they want to just negotiate that switch, you know, because they don't want to do it because they think they're bad or something, or they just don't know where to find it. But it's there. They just have to find it. But, um, you know, here's an interesting thing. People often usually aggress. You know, you look at two ordinary guys in the street arguing, right? Yeah. Now, someone who has a switch will switch on and just, you know, I don't want to say destroy that other person straight away. But what you'll often notice is you'll have two guys in a confrontation and they'll be arguing and arguing and arguing. And, 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 the, and the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to work themselves up into an anger state of mind. They're trying yes. to get angry. And then when they get angry, that disinhibits them and allows them to fight. And that's a, that's a dangerous state of mind to be in. I always say you've got to be cold with your aggression and not hot. Yes, exactly. And, 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 oh, you're so, you're so true with that. Because it's, yeah. I said, the guy you need to worry about is the guy that calms way down all of a sudden in the middle of the, uh, your, your argument. So you could be screaming and yelling. I said, you know, and I've had it happen where guys were screaming and yelling at me and I'm so calm. And then all of a sudden their brain clicks, something's wrong here because he's not responding in the same way that it goes one of two ways. It either starts to deescalate it or they start to back off on their own because they're like, okay, either he's, he's missing a marble or something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and that's, and that's it. But the funny, when you talk about that situation, when I talk to my guys about it, I refer to that, um, confrontation and that 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 dance i refer to it as the gorilla dance so yeah. what happens is you know and i and i've done this with my guys in class to help them understand i say guys understanding the gorilla dance versus a real fight right because it's that ego bump up and it's that ramp up yeah. of trying to prove you're right and i said and i've had to do this once and i said i said to one of my students and i said to them guys i want you to do this i want you to mimic me and they go okay so i sat there and i start acting like a gorilla so i start you know pounding my chest, puffing up, pounding my, and they would mimic back. And then I said, as I come closer, you come closer and we do this. I said, okay, great. See that everybody thinks it's funny. Then I said, now I need you to do this again with me. And I go, Hey buddy, Hey you, whatever, you know, and you start doing it as a human. Then they recognize it's that, that ego dance. And I said, and all you're doing is looking for that push point to where one guy says, I'm going to go. And it's like you said, it's that I'm going to go. And then when they all recognize this gorilla dance, I said, ask yourself, what's the gorilla dance about? You know, and that's the other problem we don't see sometimes in martial arts where people don't ask that question. Say, like, what are we, what are we doing this dance about? Is it over a parking spot? Is yeah. it, is, is it because I looked at your girlfriend, you know, yeah. I glanced and saw your girlfriend. Is it over or, a Yugi? Yes, <laughs> I want that yeah, kid. I want that kid. That's mine. 
right? You're wearing an A3, aren't you? That's my key. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, but that's, and that's the, that's the thing, right? And it's, it's funny to watch because when you've done things like what you and I have done, you recognize there is serious consequences to your actions, you know? And, and, and when you don't understand that because everybody, and I have to, I have educated over the years, a lot of my guys is like, guys, you're not Jason Statham. This isn't Transporter, okay? Because you need to understand, here's how the Transporter movie, as much as I love that movie, should go. He does his thing. He doesn't get a pat on the back at the end. He gets arrested and he goes to jail for a long time for a lot of different offenses. And people are like, but that doesn't make a good movie. I said, and I said, you need to understand this. And I said, that, and I said you guys have to understand, that's what happens in real life. And yeah. it's amazing to watch in a lot of martial arts schools, they don't consider those ramifications they said you know a guy grabs you hit him you know and it's like yeah what's the context of this grab and you know was the response that you created reasonable to that now i'm not saying you can't go to level 11 or level 10 but it's got to be in relation to what's going on you know reasonable force continuum i mean most most, uh countries will operate with a reasonable force continuum anyway uh, and, and you have to react accordingly. I mean, if a person's been verbally aggressive with you, then to escalate to suddenly drawing a firearm and shooting them dead is not really going to be a reasonable force dealing with the situation. So, you know, yeah. I get these questions all the time. At what point should I uh, use what technique or how should I, uh, you know, be, how should I deal with said technique or what have you? Yes. And, uh, you know, but I just wanted to leave one thing that I was listening to. I just wanted to share a story with both of you. I remember once many, many years ago, bearing in mind I've been teaching for 30 years, so I don't even know when it was, but it was a long, long time ago. Uh, one of, uh, I, 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 I met someone and they said to me, oh, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I'm a martial arts instructor. I don't usually like to say that, to be honest with you, because then it, the next thing is, what would you do if I come at you like this? <laughs> and you're in a dinner party, right? <laughs> Around and you got something coming at you at the table of a night. <laughs> the long story, was all the time. The long story short, uh, long story short, is this guy said to me, I don't need to learn a martial art because all I need to do is get angry. And that was such a profound thing to say because on a serious note, all jokes aside, the way he and many people have this perspective. And, and it's a very baseless, primal instinct that we had. His perspective was that for him to fight all he, and fight effectively, all he needed was anger. And this mm. is what I was saying, the difference between you know, being hot and cold. And I, you know, I didn't really engage the guy in conversation because obviously you know, he wouldn't have really understood the whole no. point of you know, learning how to defend yourself and to do it in a calm, aggressive, yet assertive manner, which is very yeah. different. And, you know, I remember years ago, years after that, and even now, even to, to, to this day, when I talk to my group and I talk to my guys and girls, of course, my, my, my students, I always say to them that the last thing you ever want is to deal with an angry person because that angry person is going to lose control. And, you know, you might fall over and because that person's in a rage, they stamp on your head, they kick you, they pick something up, they drop it on your head. If they've got a weapon, they stab you, you know, because they're so angry and enraged and out of control and i'll try to explain the difference to my guys between being in control yet being assertive and calm i mean sometimes people mistake the the feeling of adrenaline 
and the fear yeah. factor. And I always say to them, look, we all feel it. I feel it. Everybody feels it. You get the quickness of pace. It's all natural. It's physiological changes in your body. Embrace exactly. it, expect it, and push on. But most of the time, people, they relate it to fear. Yeah. And I think one of the ways they come across, uh, they can over get over that adrenaline is to be angry. So that anger trumps fear because in their mind, I'm being angry and therefore I'm not being fearful. I mean, that's another sort of theory I've got. But the, I guess the point I'm trying to say is, is that if you are angry, you cannot fight effectively. Yeah. Sure, you can probably maybe take a few more punches because you've got that crazy adrenaline running around your body, which you would have had anyway to be with a fight, flight, fight or flight mode. Yeah. But the point of what I'm trying to say is you cannot think rationally and therefore be responsible for your behavior. And that's where you right. read crazy stories in the, in the newspaper where, you know, people get over fights over simplest things like parking spots, like you yeah. stood on my foot, you bumped into me, whatever it is, that last gear we were talking about earlier, you know, the point is, is that it's, uh, it's scary how people can take emotions such as anger and use that to fuel their self-defense. And, uh, and I think we do ourselves a service in martial arts where to a certain degree, we train people's minds. Yeah, and I think it's a general state. Like people who get angry in fights are people who are just angry um, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just an avenue to I, let go of that anger and finally release it. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and I think you're right. I think that brings up two interesting points. Um, you know, usually that's what I say to people. Um, I said, you know what? One of the best things we can do is, you know, and I wish we could find a way to do this, is say, guess what? If you're between the ages of... 14 and 16 you know what you you have to do a martial arts for a year or two mm. you know what let's get you let's get let's get you into the experience of saying guess what here's a three minute timer you don't get to quit so we change we teach a whole generation that you can't quit when you want to quit because yeah. that's one of the big lessons we learned you also learn guess what yeah th this whole fighting thing you get it out of your system because you and this is the funny thing you find in most cases a lot of martial arts that train regardless of their art they're much more mellow people for the most part. I'm not saying we mm -hmm. don't have yeah. other sides yeah, of the absolutely. spectrum because why we're like, why I get all my, my aggression and my testosterone out when I'm Ow. training yeah. mm -hmm. and, and it's, and I recognize consequences of action and it's a game for me. And like, why do I want to put myself in a position now where later on the authorities might be involved, whether I win, lose or draw, it doesn't matter. It's just the fact I don't want to deal with the cops later because I want to go to work in the morning because I got to pay for my martial arts bills. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, and as well as the other side is too. And it brings back to that aggression idea. You know, I talked to my guys about it and I said, guys, you need to know the difference between forward intention and forward aggression. Mm -hmm. I said, forward aggression is very blind. Forward intention, I says, it's purposeful. And it's, it's also very much um, managing because I like using this analogy of uh, a bow hunter hunting a bear. I said, you know, if I'm trying to hunt this bear and this bear runs off into the cave, forward aggression says chase the bear into the cave, which is not a great idea, especially if there's two other bears in the cave and you only have a bow and arrow. I said, but with forward intention, I'm still in hunting mode. So what happens, that bear goes in the cave, I'm still thinking, I'm going after the bear, but I'm gonna do it much more strategically, much more calmly. And I'm going to weigh the risks and I'm going to weigh what my forward action is going to create, you know, and that's one of those things where in Wing Chun, it's fun because I've got guys that have come from karate, uh, high, high level guys in Aikido and, and different types of arts that come. And then they start saying, okay, I can't use some of the stuff I'm using with you. 
And I said, it was because I have the forward intention, but I'm not giving you all of me in that forward aggression style or giving you, if I want to talk from physics, I'm not giving you 100% of my center of mass so that you can, if you can get a piece of it, now I'm out of control because I can only reach 100%. Anything more than that and you're out of control. And I learned that you tune in cheese out. (laughs) Yes, you do. Right. And, um, you know, and it's that same process. And I find it's very interesting. Like, you know, you have to be that calm, cool, collected, but you have to have that forward purpose, which is very, um, I prefer to use the sometimes it's very tactical in its mindset. Um, you know, and I, you know, I've had the privilege of working with different guys over the years and stuff. And it's like, I said, guys, it's like going into a room as a tactical team, you know? Um, and I've talked to some guys about that and they said, yeah, you know, they have to, you know, you have to have a purpose and you have to press forward, but they're not blindly just running into a building, you know, yeah. and hoping mm-hmm. that they get all the bad guys because you're going to end up with more dead people on, on the side that's trying to enforce something than the guys on the other side because they're already entrenched. So, Absolutely. Yeah. you know, you yeah. know, and I think that's, I think that's part of that process. And I think that's, you know, we need to continually try to teach that and learn, uh, teach that to people. And I think you, you have like a lot less um, cases of domestic violence as well. I mean, you have all these kids who learn how to express their anger and, uh, you know, have this experience of fighting and uh, being physical with each other. They, you, don't, you, you don't need to express that kind of violence in your uh, relationships. It just goes away. It's like, yeah. You can deal with it. You know, I just had the thought what would be really interesting to know, maybe for, I mean, if anybody out there is watching this video can probably comment, what is the level of uh, countries that have national service? Because national services, obviously in some countries, they still have it where they take young men uh, and obviously they, they give the military, well, young men and women, of course, uh, give the military training. As opposed to what is the difference in levels of violence? Is there a level, if any, I'm sure people have probably done a study on it. I haven't read that, but it'd be intrigued because I, I absolutely agree. I think if you can take 14 to 16 year olds, uh, especially young men, because they're much more of a propensity, uh, tendency for violence at that age group, and you teach them a martial arts of some sort, especially where they have an output of striking and, 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 and actually uh, getting the frustrations out, you will definitely see a completely different person. I mean, I see it with our, with our teenagers. It, it used to be obligatory yeah. here in Romania, but it stopped exactly when I turned um, 18. You didn't have to um, um, go uh, and get trained for the army, but I don't know, in my opinion, training for the army or getting, getting um, you know, ready for, for war is very, very different than martial arts training. Yes. Because knowing myself, I wouldn't have done very well in a scenario like that where like somebody's giving orders and you have to do this, 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 and that. Um, I feel it's a, it's more like martial arts is more of an environment where you can actually get in touch with who you really are and who you want to be, not just um, like a piece in a bigger puzzle and, or a number. No, I agree. I mean, obviously discussing the military services, it's a bigger puzzle anyway, because obviously you're talking about sending people to war. Uh, and, you know, the process of that is obviously very different to learning a martial art, which is much more individual than because essentially when you're in the military service, you're working as part of a group collectively. Mm. Yes. working in a team, whether it be a large or small team. Uh, yeah. A martial art is much more individualistic. But what I was thinking much more is we used to have national service here, I think up to the 50s. I'm not too sure. 
that's before I was born. I'm only a young man. I'm only 20, by the way, just to, just to let you Good know. Good job. Look at that. <laughs> Which doesn't work since I've been teaching for so long. But uh, I remember growing up, uh, you know, the older generations used to say stuff like, uh, you know, national service was a good thing because you used to teach young men how to have discipline uh, to iron their clothes. And, and uh, you know, when I was a young boy at six, four, uh, 15, 16, that was quite a common thought, thought you know, join the military because it would yeah. give you a sense of discipline. Not necessarily, I mean, the flip side is you're going to go to war, right? <laughs> but <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was something definitely when I was a teenager that was, uh, used as a huge recruitment drive. Kids that were not necessarily going to go to university should join the military because it will give them a, a trade, a skill, yeah. a sense of discipline, and also a purpose and a focus in life. So I think as a scaled-down model uh, of that, as a scaled-down model, it does apply to a martial art, and, and, and yeah. it can do, except as the output, obviously, is not to, with the intention of going out and obviously seeking and destroying, which is a little bit yeah. different, basically. Exactly. And I think that's the thing, right? And it's, it depends a lot on the coaching and the leadership of that location too, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and I think that's, mm -hmm. and that's the big thing. And I think that's one of those things that I see that, you know, would be so good have, to have. Have you guys started watching Cobra Kai on uh, YouTube? Yeah. Yet? No, <laughs> I haven't watched. Yeah. I haven't watched. Is it good? It's, it's amazing. Really? I saw just like the first, uh, the first two episodes because uh, again, in Romania, we don't have YouTube Red, not yet, but it's going to be available soon. Um, but it's awesome. it's awesome. I started watching it. I've finished the whole series. I'm not going to put any spoilers for anybody. <laughs> yeah. But you've got Thank to you. watch it. So seriously, you've got to watch okay. it. But it was, it was so, I've got to be honest, from, if you teach, you will recognize a lot of the, you can, you can watch it on different levels. I was watching yeah. it from an entertainment level and obviously seeing the old, the original Karate Kid. And then there's an issue, another level of, uh, you know, who was the bully and who's being bullied, which was the theme, yeah. kind of theme in the original Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was another issue of, of fatherhood and mentoring and, and the, the role you take as a martial art instructor and the purpose of that and the fact that very often young men, uh, you know, they, they look up to you, not just as, a, as someone that's going to teach them to kick or punch, but it's, it's, it, there's a, a multitude of levels to it. I mean, I would highly recommend watching it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we've sort of branded it on YouTube is, uh, <laughs> you know, we've given them a plug anyway. Yeah. And spoiler alert, um, I found out that martial artists can actually do very well by becoming car salesmen. <laughs> yeah exactly the bonsai as well <laughs> right i think we uh i mean it's been a good talk isn't it really yeah it was a lot of fun yeah, yes it is it's awesome we'll so have to do this again i'm looking forward to you guys doing um surfing together doing jujitsu together and doing cheese on a surfboard well motors can, 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 so. can you done two people on a surfboard <laughs> uh not really you, right can you hit people on a surfboard can you fit two people on a surfboard oh, like, oh, like oh, well, guys doing cheese out like <laughs> on the waves and i don't know you'd have to get a really long board but yeah. you, 
Yeah, you probably can do. I must admit, I haven't really thought of it. It goes back to my driving analogy again, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that said, Mark, you, you, you manage the board, I'll punch you. That sounds like a fair deal. <laughs> I think we're both going to go out and, on that one. <laughs> and if you like, I'll punch you in the back of the head instead. We'll make this meme a little more interesting. <laughs> I'll be filming. <laughs> no, this was this has been great, guys, and uh, hopefully we've been able to get some good information out there for people. And uh, yeah, absolutely, super useful. And, how to defend yourself and, while driving? How to yes. <laughs> that's right. How that's to okay. make angry. Yeah, yeah that's it. But it's it's a lot of fun. I think it was great. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. And then uh, it's uh, well, it's always a, it was a pleasure to finally meet you. Uh, it live mark if you will and, <laughs> and right, uh, you know, once yeah once i move down to malta and at the end of the month at the end of august and get myself settled in who knows maybe i'll have to hop down to the uk it's only a small hop in the pond and yeah, come, see come me. visit yeah, yeah it'll be a lot of fun and it's uh, be a lot of fun that'd be great i'll pack the gear as well and you can have fun with me that way too yeah <laughs> well i mean we get a, we, we get a lot of visitors a lot of internationals we're in london uh zone yeah. three on, on the tube so we're relatively central uh yeah. so we get a lot of visitors so i mean you'll always be welcome i'll come down i'll, I'll take you out for something to eat as well you can see the local, oh, local fabulous food. that'd be awesome uh, that'd be awesome yeah yeah definitely so, so yeah so it's all good and then uh other than that it's it's been a pleasure guys yeah so Likewise. Awesome. Uh, Chuck, what would be like one question that you have for our audience that they could answer in the comment section? Well, I, I, I would say um, a question I'd look at is say, what are, you, what are you getting out of your training? You know, uh, what is the most important element out of your training, whether it's inside, inside fighting or inside life? Um, mm. That would be probably the big one to see because it, it'd be very interesting to see how different people look at things and uh, see what they're getting from what they're doing. Cause we all do something because we get something from it. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that. Let us hear it in the comment section, guys. Awesome. And gals. And gals. <laughs>